Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on January 24th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat, as we continue our discussion over the lore book, The Pigeon and the Phoenix. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of the week's exploration. Congratulations to those who signed up for a deeper dive. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of all who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 and this is the surprisingly not overly caffeinated green-eyed music lover. Nice. And last but definitely not least, in the hot seat as guest co-host, we have our good friend Tracheon. Tracheon, how are you doing? Doing exceptionally well. Ready to dive into this. Well, it really is a lore book, isn't it? It's like we've been doing, or rather you guys have been doing, like lots of what we might consider like lore booklets recently. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of nice to... A lore novella. Uh, and so it's nice to actually get into one of these sort of more long-form ones uh, every once in a bit. Ones that are a little bit more connected, at least. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I know everyone is looking forward to diving really into the conversation, especially about this particular, about the, the implications, at least. That, that's the one I'm excited about of this one. So, um that being said, let's just jump right into it. Um, yeah, if, <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, let's let's just jump into it. So there's there's 19 entries on this one, and I think the best way uh, we were kind of talking about this before the recording started up. I don't think we're going to go through every single one like back to back to back to back. Uh, Green did a really good job in the intro session of breaking down uh, it into basically ten, roughly ten scenes. Um, and they, they do kind of follow, for the most part, the naming conventions. So you have, like, Burden, Part 1, Part 2, Part 3. You have Moths to Flame, Part 1 and 2. Foundations, Part 1, Part 2. There's a little bit of a mix-up on the Observer Effect, Thin, and War Stories. Um, but then you get and Breathe. Uh, and then you go back to Margins. Uh, are, there's two parts there. Um, and then the last, I think was at the last six, are all uniquely named but roughly uh trans uh taking place in roughly time except for the very last one which we had mentioned in the intro session the very last one reunion takes place i would argue basically it's osiris coming to visit saint 14 today like in current event um so you know uh, Trigon, do you want to talk about the burden entries, the just like a summary of what was going on within that particular little snippet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we were touching on this a little bit uh, within the intro session. So uh, when we're talking about burden, this is going to be a section where we have uh, Satan Marin um, introduced in this particular bit. Um, they're starting off having a conversation. They're rendezvousing uh, with Tith. 
uh, who has uh, found six refugees that she's uh, trying to escort back into the city. Um, and, I mean, just if we're going to go just diving into the whole, like, taking them as a whole, they managed to link up. Um, we have actually some really key things that we kind of see of Saint's character as well that are uh, brought up in this particular um, section of the book itself. We kind of get this idea that he truly is one of these kinds of selfless uh, characters. He talks in one section um, with Marin where they're going to be laughing together with Tiv tomorrow and the day after that in going on until a day without armor. Um so this is sort of the first, if we're talking about at least this book, like our first introduction to what Saint is all about. Unfortunately, the um, mission to rescue these individuals goes horribly awry. Uh, fallen light flares up into the air, a spider tank drops nearby, and the carrier winds up being annihilated. And the refugees, some of whom are children, are all killed. Yeah, that that's not a fun scene. Death. But, but after that, the the burden part two. Are, are we going past like the burden one, burden two, blue? Like, or are we? Well, I was, was kind of doing it all in one felt. Yeah, okay. I think just I just yeah, yeah. I just refer to them as the burden entries. <laughs> it's like because because I mean really you can read those back to back to back and right. It's I I mean I kind kind of nodding to what you had said in the intro session. You know, if you read them in the segments like <clears throat> in the scenes as you call it uh it makes mm-hmm. it a lot more enjoyable uh so don't don't read burden three and then flame or uh, what is it moths to flame don't read those back to back give yourself a break between those two to kind of give you think about the burdens and then read moths to flame but then read moths to flame back to back and you know and like that that kind of approach i think when i reread them in that format it made it much more enjoyable for me to, to right. kind of go through. Made it more like an episodic kind right. of thing, as yes. you mentioned in the yeah. intro session. Yes. Yeah, but like overall, when we're talking generally about some of the stuff in Burden, you know, we have a lot of different things that are going on. It kind of interpolates a uh, section toward the beginning of the you know, first entry where we're having basically just uh, transcription of conversation that's going on between Marin, between Saint, between Geppetto. Um, and again, as mentioned earlier, we get to see some like very interesting uh, ideas about these characters. We get to know him a little bit. Marin, it's pretty obvious that he's very business-forward. Um, there's one point where Geppetto makes something of a joke, and he is just a statue. Uh, very focused at the task at hand, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, there's that whole mention of that I was making earlier of Saint really being an idealist uh, when it comes to the way in which he wants to go about things. It's um, again kind of tying to that whole thing about how you know our guardian, the guardian, is his reason for doing what he does, and you know he tr- is doing his best to emulate, and he's still trying. Yes, he he is. It- and we know at this point he's likely has already had encounters with our guardian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I kind of got from the way things are, at least, you know, my kind of the way that I think of it, my headcanon, if you will, 
is that our encounter with Saint um, was very early on uh, within his uh, career, if you like, as a guardian. Uh, and that just went a long way as far as really forging his identity and what he's all about. Yes. So then we get to Moths of Flame, Moths to Flame, which is kind of more the introduction of Saint, or not Saint-14, of Osiris in the mm-hmm. book, where Osiris is in the wilderness <clears throat> and kind of by by a little, little fire pit type thing, cinder spit washing faint light over Osiris's lone face. So he's kind of out in the woods by a fire. Um, Sagar is nearby, and they hear, or at least there is the aspect of somebody coming closer, and Osiris asks for Sagira to dim him, which, with the descriptions that we get back in D1 about Osiris when he meets with Marasov, is that he is very, very bright as a guardian. He exudes light. So the aspect of having Sagira possibly help dim him, I interpreted as the dimming of that kind of light, not necessarily like dimming him and making him invisible, because it's obvious that in later in the <clears throat> book that the people see him. So a small band of humans emerge from the woods at Osiris's flank. Some carry rust lead and firearms. The one who leads them jaunts forward. So it's kind of like a little gang of people show up and confront him. And confront him over the fact that he's burning wood because there's a warlord in charge of this area and it's essentially the whole idea of you're poaching on this area and Osiris is doesn't exactly um, take kindly to it and uh, he basically dawn blades them <laughs> so the best way that I can explain this scene is this is totally in my in my head I totally see this as the scene from the Moss Eisley Cantina in episode 4 where the guy yes. the guy dis- gets disarmed <laughs> like this is entirely what I see it's like it's got a laser sword the guy's arm gets cut off and he kills him like I mean it's like yeah, yeah, this is this is Obi Wan Kenobi putting someone in his place. Yeah, except rather yeah. than just taking an arm, he took the entire uh, thing. <laughs> yes, indeed. And what a great yeah. final parting bit! I have a half dozen guns at my back. <laughs> I have a spark. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thing is, is this is also where Sagira basically can not necessarily convinces him, but. <clears throat> Pretend he's not here. Oh gosh. I'm looking over at chat Osiris shot first. Yeah. <laughs> um I think it, the thing here that is very important is that it confirms a theory that has been a very divisive theory uh that ghosts can link and initially res multiple light bearers. Um so this it goes back to the conversation on Shin and Tanashi and Jaren's ghost. So right. with the information that we get from Sagira here, we see that it is actually possible um, for Jaren's ghost to air quote adopt uh, Shin. Uh, it is it's possible for that to occur because the the implication here is that this ghost was released by Sagira 
to return to the traveler to find another light. Um, this is after to find someone better to find yeah to find someone better and and the other thing is here this is also where we see the beginnings of Osiris's view on the light as being something less than perfect um or the confirmation of his his opinion about that specific well, the thing the ghost the ghosts are not infallible right i mean there's even that that section wherein uh, Sagira um, pauses it after um, after the ghost is released. Um, the traveler was wounded when it created us. That pain echoes. Some of us make choices we shouldn't. Some of us are scared. The process isn't streamlined. Yeah. Right, and we got the, we got a bit of that in ghost stories uh, entry way back. Because there's a few ghost stories oh, entries yeah. that give you that entry. Well, that that, that the ghosts are, but I mean, this is also this information. So we have that information as you know, out of out of character knowledge. But this is the presentation of that information to Osiris in character, um, which allows him to then extrapolate a number of different things. Uh, one of which is that light can be corrupted. Uh, it is not. It is not without fault. Okay, so the next part of it is... This is the fun one. We'll <clears throat> this is the very fun Foundations. One. <laughs> foundations yes. with the... So Foundations is basically, uh, we kind of mentioned that Osiris was was kind of guided uh, to seek out the, the formation of the settlement underneath the last city by Felwinter, uh, which is interesting because of... A, something that we'll talk about next week in Constellations because Ephrodite is the one who pushes the speaker to come to the last city. So we get mm-hmm. we get a kind of a little bit of a nod that the Iron Lords are very eager to see the last city kind of form. Um, in some ways, I mean, that's kind of... That's not... Uh, Felwinter's Peak is not that far from the city no, as well. I mean, Close enough that it's, you know, we can turn it into a crucible map, certainly. Though but distance doesn't seem to necessarily predicate that. Was there anything else going on in Foundations Blue? Uh, we get a really cute scene of ghosts uh, as uh, server bustlers <laughs> or table table uh, bustlers. Segura like, is not happy about that. She, like, <laughs> she was sorry. I, I love the fact that saint completely misses the joke on that like i I think that was hilarious um but you also get the fact that saint is a terrible cook yes (laughs) yes which if you've read the way of kings i view saint 14 as rock from the way of kings which rock is the horn eater who is a really good cook but at first you're like not quite sure if it's good food or bad food, but it's food, so you just deal with it anyway. <laughs> it's like oh, I could see Saint being that way, but it's but it's like it's pork. It's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, if you can burn pork. See, I didn't. I thought I thought I read it as Sagira wasn't too upset to help feed people. It was she was not impressed with the city. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I got from it as well. Let's see. Oh, really? Actually yeah, because like she said, I read it as her being s- snarky. I mean, she, about she's it sass, sassy Sagira, but I mean that's just like default for her. But yeah, like, whole, like it, it's it sounded grander. grander. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's like, what is this? Like, well, you at least you know that this is early in the city's life in some ways. Yeah, and that there are borders to the city. So this is that does give us a little bit of a timeline to it. You also see Osiris's opinion from the speaker is already kind of not ideal. Um, he he uh, he's told by Saint he's like you should speak to the speaker. He can perhaps he can help you find your path. And Osiris is like I don't think he has my answers. Um, and then Saint's like you want to bet. And that's where Osiris actually makes a comment that is also repeated later in the book. I don't gamble. Like, uh, but then he goes on to talk to Saint and it's like he does, um, he does seem to have at least a somewhat open mind uh, because he's like, he asks Saint about, about the speaker. He's like, is he a good person to which Saint responds that he would give his life for him? And he's like, and, and Osiris kind of is like, he seems to me, at least as far as I'm reading it, is that like it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, I mean, he's not going to be. Is no one's perfect? Is basically, I think, the feeling that I get from Osiris is like everyone, everyone is trying at least. But then, like he, like with the whole thing with Reich, he's like, this is such, you're such a waste. Like you have all this power, and the only thing you can think of is protecting, like, is grabbing as much as you can get. Like, what is wrong with you? This is true. And then from Foundations, we move into the battle scene. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, yes. Observer Effect is the first one of this little, I think, I want to say it's like a trio of entries, right? It's Observer Effect, Thin, and War Stories. Yeah. <clears throat> so, these are all Battle of Six Fronts. Uh, so, you see a number of different things within these three. Uh, Saint-14 has a really strong ability to kind of uh, rally the troops and encourage other guardians. Uh, Osiris kind of demonstrates his power, uh, which is not insignificant at all. And um, and you also kind of get a feeling for how the other guardians look at Osiris and Saint both uh, with uh, war stories. Uh, the I mean, they're on... Basically, they're they're already made a name for themselves to the point where they're on first name, if not familiar basis, with a number of different larger names in the community of the Guardians already. Um, like so, like the very first one is Observer Effect. Uh, this is where you kind of get the sense of Saint's ability to to um encourage those who have already lost their will to keep going uh he it's the scene where he rescues elric uh and elric is freaking out uh she has lost there are eight or there were nine guardians she is the last one standing uh and she is completely shell-shocked at this point and saint arrives with osiris kind of i think cyrus is up on the ridge if i remember correctly um 
Yeah, Osiris is, uh, was above them fighting, and Saint is trying to get Elric to come help him, and she says, I can't die again. To which Saint response is, then we won't die. And it's just like, yeah. Uh, and this is also where you get the the idea of like, you know, Saint is passing on that that confidence. Uh, Green, I think it was you and I that had talked a little bit about it. I don't remember if it was on an episode or not. But like, Saint has such a a powerful degree of confidence. I largely ascribe to the fact that he has already encountered our guardian at this point. Mm-hmm. Like he knows what is going to happen. It's not a matter of faith. It's not a matter of faith. It's a matter of knowledge that it is going to happen. Uh, like his, his confidence is such because he knows where it's going, what it's going to happen. Like he doesn't know the exact details. He doesn't know if, you know, person X is going to be alive at the time, but he knows that in the big picture, the city succeeds at least to a degree. And so everything that he's worth, everything that he's fighting for, he knows is worth it, which gives him a, of a significant boost in his ability that you see an observer effect because he's, he's, he's already, he knows this battle's already won. He knows that ultimately the war will be, you know, everything is going to be okay. So give it your all because even if you fall, it's still going to work out in the end. And so to me, it's like, it's, it's one of those things where he, he, I I hesitate to say that he has faith. I I would rather him say, I would rather more clarify that he knows what the end result is and so his confidence is not because of some some uh you know faith but all be, because of foreknowledge that it was granted to him by us and our ghost when we encountered him uh on Mercury during I think it was a failed um uh it was a a failed peace summit, if I remember that correctly, uh, between House Rain and some human survivors. So with that in mind, if his confidence in this battle is essentially based off of that, the fact that he's just like, hey, this is just how it's going to be, like, we're going to get through this together kind of thing, it's not a huge surprise at all that he functioned that way. No, not at all. And I think that's why it's so infectious is because there is no doubt in his mind. Like, you know, even, even a lot of people with a lot of faith, they will have moments of doubt. Saint doesn't doubt because it's not faith. It's knowledge. He knows it's going to work. And so when he's like, when he's talking to Elric, he's like, no, we're going to do this. And, you know, he's like, then we won't die. And it's I mean, like the the degree of confidence that he has is you can't help but get infected by that. Like, you know, he says, this is a new choice. You are only what you want to be. And, you know, that it just I don't know. I really read this as Saint is so esteemed because of his positivity and because of his adherence to being the guardian that, you know, he saw within us that translates in it's, it's, it's totally a merchants and alchemist gate scenario. Like 
that would not have happened if we hadn't gone back in time to save him, but we wouldn't have gone back in time to like, you know, it's, it seems like a catch 22, but it's, it's already been, it's a fixed time. And so because of that, we are given the opportunity to do what was already done. And then right. it's in it, and it is in and of itself a perfect paradox. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's the whole theory of fixed time <clears throat> is that, you are going to do what you're going to do because it's already been done. Uh, going the back predetermined to that first aspect of it. Episode this month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, within uh, within Thin, we see the same uh, same scenario, but it's from Osiris's point of view. Uh, and Thin is where you see for uh, multiple things. Um, you see the world from within Osiris's eyes, which is very interesting. Uh, you also get confirmation that Osiris is capable of casting projections uh, or reflections, whichever one you want to call, uh, outside of the infinite forest. Uh, so we have that confirmed here. Osiris refers to a, a component or a component of power ref- that he calls Inferno, which I'm curious because. I haven't seen anything on that one. Um, he also refers to the way of the world as being skeins, uh, which is a reference to basically weaving, uh, which is where I kind of get the idea that he sees this thing as a tapestry and he sees where thing where threads are getting strained and sends reinforcement there. Uh, you see where he's constantly referring to as the West is bending. So he transfers, uh, to there the north is bending um you know he the north fractures and you know then he goes over to i think it was like the east and then to the what like he's bouncing all over the place he's experiencing all this stuff through the eyes of his his projections and he is constantly basically weaving what's referred to as inferno um and burning just burning things i mean he's basically napalming everything at you know all the time um i do i'm curious there is to a reference to two hunters i think one of them is is anna but i'm curious if you thought about anything about the second one or if you had an idea of who those two hunters could be one snaps fire beams of sunlight from a rifle wreath and flames oh that's efforty that's efforty challengers that's efforty mm. her blades arc purity none of them that might be parent or payroon Perun, yeah. Actually, yeah, and I didn't. I be... I missed the fact that it was a rifle. I just saw beams of sunlight and yeah. thought it was Anna. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to to automatically jump that one, right? But uh, it could be. I think that's effort you didn't pay Rune, Then it could be effort. It could be. It could also not necessarily be the uh, Iron Lords. It could be, um, what was the name of the character from earlier in the book? The Tiff? fire team member that didn't die. Tiff. Yeah, it could be Tiv. Mm-hmm. Tiv could be the arc, oh the like arc strider. Yeah, okay, I should see that yeah. too. Yeah, well, the reason the well, reason I, mean, I say it's yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh The reason I or a blade dancer. Um, the the only thing too there is that we do have uh, it was it was an old D one flavor text in Iron uh, Iron Banner. I think it was the mantle of Ephrodite. But it makes it makes a comment about Ephrodite standing in a wreath of flame, or standing in a pillar of flame. Mm. 
now that was also a very generic flavor text that you know pretty much all the hunters had nods to them standing in flame um dino also mentions it could be eris morn which is another option mm-hmm. uh maybe yeah i i pay rune is the one to be honest as soon as i as soon as i realized that that should probably be ephrodite i can i mean because pay is arc like that was the way she's always been kind of explained Right, and the other thing as far as uh, Eris is just the fact that we don't really have a specific time frame as far as to when she was resurrected, when she came into the picture. Um, honestly, if I'm kind of going through and trying to think, um, is there any reference as far as to um, what element uh, she was particularly kind of like for Eris more partial to? Yeah, no, not arc. really. I mean, Ark was the uh, the hunt. The Great Hunt. Right. She, we always saw her with uh, Ark, but yeah, Black Flag is also dancer. Black Flag is also pointing out Psy Moda was oh, also true. True. Um, so yeah, but and so it's it's just to me Thin Thin was a really interesting entry uh, because you see the Battle of Six Fronts from. Osiris's point of view and this was this was arguably where Osiris was kind of brought into the picture as far as uh, infamy uh, for being one of if not the reason that Six Fronts held was because he was pretty much everywhere at once Um, right and and this is where you see that exact thing we had always kind of you know played with the idea of oh well if he's able to project but we didn't know if the projections were restricted to the infinite forest because they're you know simulations uh this pretty much calls out that no they're not and this is exactly what it's going on um the other thing is that because of hang on real quick let me just touch base here um we do know that from oh gosh it was record was the record vanguard commander i believe um that osiris is already diving into vex tech at this point um because within the vanguard it was i want to say it was vanguard commander uh when he's talking to saint about stuff he is fidgeting with his vex cubes like he already has those cubes that we see him play with in uh curse of osiris and in uh season of dawn um, we already have, he already has those at that point. So he has access to that tech already, which could explain the projections, you know? Um, but I do, I did find the thin is thin is like one of my favorite ones simply because of the clarification on a lot of theories about six fronts and Osiris's connection there. Um, war stories, is just fun to read or i mean i'm just i like it's not I, I there's there's some snippets in here that are worth like noting as far as like information but really honestly it's more about the fact that saint 14 and shacks like the interaction between the two of them um oh it's glorious. we also get the confirmation that cole is lying about shacks's horn um <laughs> and <laughs> So yeah, it, it, I mean, uh, 
war stories is just it's a fun read like it's just, it really just is a fun read and also confirmation again that shacks can't talk with an inside voice i mean yeah the fun yeah. quiet shacks is only when we the, launch like on the one south. line that shacks has that's in regular text just everything means- else is long all caps where did you hear that <laughs> Where did you hear that? <laughs> but I love that it's Saint Fourteen that pushes back, like, like because it's basically I didn't die. I don't believe you. Is that because you died, Shax? I heard the fall and broke your horn. Where did you hear that? Like I was like, I'm like <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it, it. it was my it was my left horn. Oh that was my, my gosh. favorite one. <laughs> But yeah, oh, and then man. and then like you also you also get the sense of Osiris being kind of the the realist because like at the very end, you know they're all boasting, they're all you know it, it's they're high they're high on the adrenaline of the battle. They you know they've won the battle, right, yeah. and and Osiris comes in and he's like you know like they're taught they're they're joking about the whole saint and dies, Shax died, and Osiris is like I don't know how many times I died. I witnessed the battle through the eyes of the city. And, you know, we were spread thin and Saint kind of it to me, obviously it's text. So it's kind of hard to get the the emotive uh, implications. But to me, it kind of is a sombering thing because he's like, because Saint's response is basically you should be proud without you. We would have been lost. And Osiris's response is the one that like is just bone chilling to me is some were like Osiris has that like he he has that tenet or that that penchant for yeah don't don't get that, don't get ahead of yourself it doesn't matter how many people he saved don't lose anybody yeah mentality yeah. almost it's it's what what do we describe this as um cuz my wife and i have like a very specific term for this we kind of call it the hero complex mm-hmm. like in, uh, in that it's sense of like yeah it's kind of like a fatalistic kind of. view right in that sense of you know i have to do everything that I can to save everyone. And um, it could be further postulated that, like, going back to Finn and the relation here, like, seeing all this crazy stuff that um, Osiris is able to pull off, you know, he's uh, projecting all over the city and, you know, all to all quarters and providing assistance when he can. And yet, here he is... Ever the realist still going? I did all I could, but yet, mm-hmm. it's like still were lost. It's it's well, and it's so funny because that that idea, like that that concept of like it's it's usually referred to as like the rescuer identity, or the yeah, rescuer right. is kind of the the archetype that's usually there. But you you see a lot of times that hyper responsibility concept that is also really closely associated with OCD, um, right? Which explains osiris to a degree too like a yeah, little bit like he's he's bit. he's hyper responsible for everyone he's you know you know he's responsible for the safety of people but then on the flip side you have this weird dichotomy where it's like he's also he he also doesn't really care for things that he sees as trivial like politics which we'll get to here <laughs> but like he he's I don't know I, I I think that 
it it definitely war stories and thin the one probably the reason i like them so much is because it really does deepen even the picture of osiris which already was already kind of already three-dimensional um like he's just yeah i don't know it's it's just interesting there um and that kind of brings us to breathe which is a slight time jump afterwards uh you know this is a couple i believe it's a couple weeks yeah weeks since sex fronts um and so the city is basically just able to kind of take a breath you know that's that's kind of the whole thing of the the title here um this is where we get the word clash mention i have no idea what that is like i is that i all i can think of is sentinels throwing their shields at each other like well i mean you know like i don't i don't know it's like the final tassel pole to form a ward clash circle i think that's like i mean you think what ward guild is right like that that whole concept is a uh the 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 blood price no, that's essentially, guild. right that's where guild that's not where but but what i mean it sounds like it's kind of that similar construct word wise mm, okay mm. i mean because like as far as the the whole thing with the tassel poles though like that kind of brought to mind um like the idea of like the maypole that's exactly um, what i'm looking up right now i'm like what <laughs> is the maypole pole called like <laughs> It's yes, that it is it's called a maypole. It's, I actually yeah. was looking this up. Um, in, in medieval times, this is the sort of thing where you would do this around a tree or a pole uh, that had these tassels or these uh, bits of cloth that were attached to them, and people would do a dance, and in so doing, they would like weave these uh, tassels or That's what have you around. Really the cool pole. to watch. Yeah, yeah it, it is actually fascinating uh, to watch if you ever get a chance. Look that up. Um, but, um, it kind of, it sort of brings to the whole idea of like what exactly, um, is going on in this particular, um, excuse me, um, right in, in this particular instance, which I kind of took as sort of a celebration of the fact that there is life that is still existing within the city and yet a remembrance of those that are lost, like kind of the portmanteau, if you will of the revelry as we know it and festival of the lost because uh, we're talking about stuff with that again oh, like the people yeah because it's also like, the emerald tassels yeah for the seed exactly, road okay i see what you're going in addition because in addition to that like the whole idea of the maypole um at least when we're talking about uh the way that it was that it's functioned in medieval times was supposed to be again like a celebration of the spring and of life and the idea of you know, doing the maypole was supposed to be like a sign of like good luck and fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, like the idea you were going to have a good harvest that year. And um, we're talking about like stuff with that. You know, again, you mentioned you know the green tassel for um, you know the fact that people are throwing these seeds. Seeds, the yeah, the seed row. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and again, that's kind of what I took away from this. Like this is them again taking that breath after six fronts for the moment there's like a slight stillness there's some peace uh and they're taking the opportunity to do what they can to rebuild i also uh, still at the same time yeah yeah i also love the fact that even here you see shacks with kids 
Yes. Like Shaq's a space dad. I, it, it's like it's like his he says Shaq stands monolithic over a swarm of children, their entire being being transfixed on him as they as he recounts moments of heroism in theatrical detail. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's the, Shaq's the, that's, the, way, the way that you described him, I'm suddenly picturing uh, Shaq's in a red zip up sweater. <laughs> It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful oh. day in the neighborhood. Reinhardt. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that too. Like that would totally. Oh my god. Um, this is also where you see uh, Saint remembering Marin. Uh, yes. Anna, Anna hands him an, a lantern, uh, and I, I love so. There's a couple different things that I really actually like about this whole interaction with Anna and Saint. Um, she sprinkles a handful of seeds over him. Um, so like, because he's an exo, right? He has the metallic frame. He, they basically are using Saint as a, um, a seed spreader. Like he, as he walks, he distributes these seeds. Now, of course he sits down in the pigeons perch on him eating all the seeds, which also then with regards to the, the whole comment about pigeons flocking around him, make a ton of sense because they actually he's a bird feeder he is literally a walking bird feeder to them he's johnny apple seed but with birds johnny apple bard Burb. so i i just i love i love that image of her like because it, it's just it's it's such a a weird thing but at the same time a really kind of in uh, innovative thing right um and so, yeah, but then also the connection again with Marin and the lantern with void light. Uh, he walks the seed row with all the seed, like she sprinkles a handful of seeds and she's like, make sure to walk the row. It's getting dark. Um, and then he sits down and all the pigeons, pigeons perch on him, picking out seeds. <laughs> good birds. I'm glad you found a home here. <laughs> yes, good birds. I am glad that you found a home here. Um, what actually kind of struck out as far as that little conversation, too, um, of course, we have the bit, uh, as previously mentioned, where Anna is handing St. the Lantern. Um, and there's a fun little comment uh, mm. that gets thrown in there regarding uh, just the things that we've you know talked about previously with Exos and all that. And it's that um, Anna says, I don't know. She sighs. You ever wonder about the other 13? I think about that sometimes. I am happy with 14. Just that whole thing of... Hmm... Hmm. Extra intrigue. Well, and I think it also shows that Saint... Unlike some Guardians, Saint isn't focused on the past. He's looking to the future. Yeah, exactly. So he's... he's, He's perfectly fine with things right. as is he's happy with 14 right he knows that things are gonna be okay yeah but i also see i see that as like one of the also reasons why the speaker probably likes him so much is because he he isn't obsessed with what has been lost he's he's obsessed with what can be gained you know it's it's just the the way that it's it's looked at um which, I mean, actually kind of talking about obsessions, that actually is a good segue into margins. Uh, 
margins is basically a a scene where Osiris is searching for or is seeking answers um and it it does a really good job in kind of detailing the relationship that Osiris has with the speaker um and a nod to the kind of the silence of the traveler that is above them currently um you know and green i think this might be the one that you were thinking of this is kind of poetic in its its uh presentation it's not a poem but it's it's like it's kind of here it it kind of is similar it's explaining how osiris sees things um you know he's he is seeing he is sinking into reality like this he, he kind of like it he literally is like sinking into this psychological space and he's and mm-hmm. the stone garden is, you know, meditative. Um, and he's looking for answers. He's looking for the traveler is really what it kind of seems. And he's, um, he's kind of interrupted by the speaker. Uh, and he kind of like, he's like, yeah, that's fine. Like the speaker is like, can I sit with you? And Osiris is like, yes, that's fine, or you may. And he stands up to leave because he's like, he's not here to talk. He's here to to try to listen. Um, and, you know, it's like you see the communication and Osiris's concern is that it literally, if, it, if there had been one misstep in that battle, they were, you know, gone. And you see the frustration too, because you uh, he Osiris says I did not see the traveler on six fronts, um, and the you know the speaker goes on to say it was but you did it was in the fire that saved your brothers and sisters it was in the arc bolts and you know the violet shields and Osiris cuts him off and says do not romanticize this burden, we wield a weapon, you know. And, the, and you kind of get this this idea that this is an this is an old argument between the two of them. You know, this is the the speaker kind of sees this as you know not really a romantic or romanticized version, but Osiris is like, look, if if I'm going to be a weapon, then you need to speak clearly. You know, uh, he says then then the traveler would do well to speak clearly to better direct me. Um. And the reason why he is saying this is he doesn't want it necessarily to take away his choice, but it is guidance that he is, you know, trying to search for. Uh, and again, that goes back to Osiris's capability to see a larger picture of what is happening. He, he for better or worse, he perceives things as a larger picture. Um, and he recognizes so there's so much at stake. It's such a delicate game that is being played that you know one misstep can bring ruin to everything well that and isn't there mention of osiris's not necessarily prophecies directly but how the visions work and how he's interpreting them uh yeah that so that's like margins part one um he says uh there is an imminent daunting pressure a noose awaiting a misstep a delicate game Brazers cast shadows, distracting shades, flickering across his eyes, breaking his concentration. Um, and so then he breathes. Uh, he says, he is alone in the void, intrusions no more. There is a point in the depth that cannot be directly viewed. So he dives deeper, still only a point in the aphotic depth, the nothing expansive. 
He sinks to gain a new perspective. The point remains. It's so faint, distant, though he knows he can see the light. His reach stretched then, clarity in the space between his hand and the point, the osseous white point, dim now. The omnipresence was hungry acknowledgement, vast himself against the enormity and endless unfurling midnight and a lone point. So, you know, here he is seeing the darkness and the the vast, you know, the lone point, the, the, the point of the traveler, you know, in this 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 single white point in this giant sea of darkness really and and so when he sees that that's when he goes on to say you know it's it's almost too much really there you know and the fact that that one single point isn't talking to them is is rather frustrating <laughs> yeah and yet there's the whole back and forth between uh Osiris and the speaker you know, saying, you know, the light wields you, you are what you make of it, a glorious extension of its majesty. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have that whole bit of, it would do better to speak clearly. I love that, I love that response. Like, but I, I also love the the contradiction between Osiris and Saint-14, right? Because right. both of them are, they both have the same, I, I would argue that both of them have the same end. Like, they, they have the same goal that they're striving for. But Saint is a like a pillar of confidence and Osiris is a is is just filled with this this crushing doubt. And it's interesting to see the two perspectives on on their approaches to just like everything. You know, like in in the record the couple of the records that was released beforehand, you see the the one that's called the Accolade does a really good job of showing saint um saint's value system as being around the people he saves rather than the gear he acquires uh saint calls out that he could not remember where he gets the loot that he uses he just i mean it's all pretty much replaceable to him but every single one of the ribbons that are tied to him to his ship to his space all those ribbons are a uh, what's referred to as a payment or an accolade um, of a person who has who he has saved, and he remembers the name of each of those who have gifted him with an accolade. So he remembers all the names for every person that he saved that has been give, that has given him those ribbons. Whereas Osiris, you know, Osiris is a person who's seeking for seeking answers. He's seeking a way to save everyone. You know, we kind of talked about that rescuer identity. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, is that where others see just the present, Osiris kind of operates on a level above that. You know, he looks at the whole tapestry, which means that he does come across as rather heartless and not interested in the well-being of everyone else. But but in fact, you know, he is obsessed with the well-being of everyone. But the problem is it's it's everyone it's you know no matter what he does it's not enough because there's always someone lost uh and saint actually calls that out in the vanguard commander record um he says and saint 14 explains that's why saint 14 is selling the consensus that osiris will become the vanguard commander after saint steps down is because he um he sees that value that osiris has towards others even though other people don't see that, even though other people see Osiris as like a curmudgeonly old guy who, you know, wants, you know, wants to obsess over his vex, you know, things. Saint sees that 
the reason why Osiris has that obsession is because he's he's trying as desperately as he can to save everyone that he can. Right. In that sense that in Osiris's view, like just based upon the fact, again, he's looking at the whole big picture. He's looking at it as a tapestry. And the Vex, based on what he has seen, this empiric evidence, yeah. is one of the biggest threats that faces yes. humanity. So naturally his response yeah. is to just throw himself at the problem and try to figure out what can we do to either cut them off or mitigate the damage that they could possibly do. Well, and that ties into which, of like course, the... winds up with <laughs> right. Well, and that also winds up being the whole thing with like the curse of Osiris and his whole thing of like the darkness is there, sure, but the problem that we need to be worried about is this confluence of the Vex, like this this thing that the Vex have, uh, you know, with Panoptes and the whole Infinite Forest and all this stuff. Right. Like, that's why Osiris is freaking out. And then, you know, of course, it also doesn't help that Saint was taken by the Vex. Like, it, you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of like these ticks on this checklist keep getting activated in his mind as to, no, these are the real problem. This is the threat that needs to be addressed. Like, everyone else is worried about the hive and, you know, the moon and all this stuff, and Osiris is playing a much larger game because he's like, while you guys are all squabbling over the moon, this entire species is working to take the galaxy. So, you know, it's it's a situation of, like, we don't want to have a Pyrrhic victory. Like we don't want to win the battle, but lose the war. Right. Just, just, yeah, it's, we have this threat, this very real thing that will not stop Mm -hmm. until everything is vex. It cannot be reasoned with. It cannot be argued with. Something must be done. Yeah. (laughs) And it may as well be me. Right. Um, and then kind of, so kind of talking, and yeah, Black Flag's talking about they share the same burden. Uh, it's That's exactly, I would say that is so true. Um, in yeah. Patriot... The other thing I was... Oh yeah, go oh, for it, go for it. No, 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 go for it, go for well, it. Well, I was going to say, the other interesting thing about, uh, just again, the characterization between St. 14 and Osiris, um, is in the fact that the way that their structure makes them excellent foils of each other. Uh, in that respect of, you know, what you were just mentioning of that Saint just goes through things with just this absolute confidence. And, of course, that's based off upon his interaction with the Guardian and through knowing that regardless of the exact way that things are happening, things are going to be okay. The city is going to thrive. Um, but Osiris, naturally, um, having not had that experience just goes through, again, with that kind of rescuer mentality, but it enhances the view of the other character as a direct result of that. And that's why I think they make such a powerful um, duo when we're talking about this methodology of storytelling. Yeah, and I mean, right, I I, I 100% agree Um, with, and and you kind of see that, right, with Patron, you see that saint has you know talking about that confidence saint has become the you know green had mentioned this is where it's mentioned that he is synonymous with the gardens guardians Mm -hmm. um he is he is an image to be adhered to to be revered 
this is where he, you know, his armor, uh, his armor is faith. You know, they sing together. He shares bread with the chorus of voices. You know, I just, they, they love Saint. Um, and it's, to me, it's, it's, it's bittersweet, right? Because Saint has the same goal as Osiris and Osiris is the one that gets exiled. Osiris is the one that gets shunned and Osiris is all this, where a saint who is fighting for the same thing, just albeit in a very different way is the one who, you know, is adored, is, is revered, is, is, you know, gifts are thrown upon him and all that. Um, yeah. and, and again, going back to the dichotomy between the two of them, right? That's why, the prince is a friend with the pauper, you know, it kind of like that, that opposite, the light and the dark side kind of coexisting there. Um, uh, and you see that with like, and then also going forward, you also see shepherd, uh, shepherd is the entry where you see saint talking about the past and with the speaker, uh, we get confirmation that the speaker was present for saints resurrection um, you kind of get actually the story of Saint being resurrected, uh, which means that we get confirmation that he was resurrected in um, the Cosmodrome. Um, <laughs> yeah, he is Russian. He people. is Russian. Sorry. People. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, sorry, chat was saying something. Um, you know, I, so, oh my gosh. So there are so many, like, little tidbits in these things uh at the end of this one the speaker refers to the ghost as a little light um which just cracks me up because we now have three different people who are on very different sides of the the spectrum as far as their views of how things should be handled all referring to the (laughs) same entities as the same term uh Mm-hmm. You have the stranger, you have Osiris, and now you have the speaker refer to ghost as a little light. Uh, the, oh, the other, that was, that reminds me, the other thing was Moths of Flame, uh, the ghost that they, uh, they free, air quotes, from the warlord refers to Sigur as sister. Um, the only other person that we really see kind of talk in that kind of tonality with regards to ghost and guardians is the speaker and Geppetto. Uh, and Geppetto right. is con- like continuously referring to Guardians as brother Osiris or sister Ikora or you know brother Kate you know whatever. Um, and the only time the speaker actually refers to it is within the uh, margins where he says to Osiris that he is he was saving his brothers and sisters. Um, I didn't get the same sense of connection with that particular comment. But I did find it very interesting that the ghost of Reich was actually speaking in the same parlance as Geppetto. Uh, We know that it's not Geppetto, which was one of my first initial thoughts, because Geppetto is a female ghost and the unnamed ghost was a male ghost. So short of someone fixing a voice modulator on the ghost, they're not the same ghost, which was nice. Um. But yeah, so uh, to bring it back to Shepard, uh, it's just a really cool little glimpse into the history of Saint and the uh, his relationship with the speaker, as well as some of the history there. Um, and then we have another bit of a time jump here. Uh, this would have taken place 
after the record of Vanguard Commander because Osiris in Paul in so we're politics. Um, this is really where <laughs> Osiris basically <laughs> tries to be like just to make Ikora do it, and Ikora love Ikora. Like, is it rude for the subject of the conversation to be present? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I'm still standing here, guys. I love Um, that. I'm standing right here. (laughs) Uh, Like, I, I, but I I mean, one of the things is like, I still, I read this and like, I, there is, there is so much uh, conflict going on right here. The schism is really strong, but even so, I I get the sense that Osiris is still trying to protect everybody. Like, <clears throat> right? But he's not exactly. He doesn't agree with the speaker's way of doing no, it. No, he which disagrees is completely what we've with known him for a long yeah. time. Cause, yeah, because again, like going back to what we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier. It's that whole thing where, at this stage, Osiris is a little bit more... I'm trying to think of the best way of describing this. He's a little bit more concerned with what's going on and what is kind of bearing down on the door, as opposed to, you know, this whole idea of just, like, these intercity squabbles, as he might call them. Uh just the idea that he would rather just get on with what he's attempting to do as opposed to these like whole things of like, okay, we're needing your uh, opinions within the consensus. Um, yeah, about that. Um, Vex, they're, they're, they're coming. No, no, we need to, to, you know, discuss all these political things. No. Uh. Right. The thing is, is Osiris never wanted to be on that, in the first place exactly yeah he was he was put into a vanguard mentor position and then so they named saint 14 the vanguard commander one day after that saint 14's like yep bye i'm going on a crusade (laughs) and basically is like yo yeah cyrus you're vanguard commander like even osiris is like what why this is a terrible idea like seriously yeah he's like and and that's where saint's like because and, and it's like saint is seeing it I really like the way that Saint kind of presents it is because he's like, because you, you care for them in your, like, he's like, you need to work on, I think he said something about like, you need to work on the way you show it. But like, he knows, like he knows that Osiris has that, that mentality of trying to, to save everyone. Um, and yes, the, the, the dispute between Osiris and the speaker uh, is actually started in constellations we see that in the growing entry which we'll talk about next week but that's in regards to the faction wars actually um but it is also a kind of the the beginning of the schism between the two of them is how they both agree that the problems exist it's how they are handled that they disagree on um and you see that within this entry too because uh he's he continuously is trying to tell osiris to be patient and Osiris is basically at the point where he's like, this is not a a debate. Like, this is literally a battle that needs to be fought. Um, you know, he says, we cannot wait for threats to arrive. We have to, someone has to meet them. 
Um, and you know, he's, and, and that's kind of where you also see Osiris is like, my duty is to protect the city. I am protecting, like, he's like, you want me to stand by me not doing what I'm doing. I would be not fulfilling my duty. So do you want me to do my job or do you want me to do what you're telling me to do? Is kind of the sense that I get within this, this particular entry. Yeah, I'm basically right there uh, as well. Just that, again, that last line where, yeah. again, yeah. you know, he's, he's saying someone has to meet them and the speaker stands and says, we will in time together. And Osiris says, be patient. And the look of malice bled from the word. Yeah. So after Osiris leaves, we get transient. Mm-hmm. Oh my which, god! This this entry. The way this oh, one reads. Oh, I love this. Sounds like it's after Saint does his whole headbutt to the Kel scene. Um, at least part of it. Well, be. like because after the headbutt from the Kel, Saint didn't know where Osiris was. Because the right, speaker, that's what he, the speaker told him. So, oh, 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 you say you mean? Yeah, I gotcha. No, because see, the, like I don't, I, I, because the last one is Osiris asking Saint where he was. Yeah, but Saint asked where Osiris is too. Saint two, three years at two entries up. That See, was I the was. Show. Where are you? I was actually so I reading that as to... like Osiris. This was around the time that Saint got stuck in the forest. It could be, which I guess would coincide it... with the headbutt. Which right. that, that's true, but I guess the way that I was looking at it, because we keep seeing these, you know, logs of like Geppetto three one two four. I, might, I also read those and as I... date timestamps, but yeah, exactly. So I kind of take it as like there's the previous conversation that was had in politics uh and immediately afterwards of course <laughs> the... osiris just goes off does his own thing as osiris <laughs> later haters <laughs> i was about to get to that um so it's to that point of you know geppetto and sagira are starting up a comps channel and again sagira being sagira oh good idea make us a subnet oh my gosh um, the the <laughs> Sakura does not gamble. It is not gambling. Your response time not... on her letters is terrible. <laughs> yeah, yes. It is not gambling. It is different from gambling. She cannot be nagging you enough. Your response time on her letters is terrible. Please try my suggestion. I believe it will help. <laughs> I love how they do the whole I'm not answering you. Instead, I'm just changing the conversation slightly and asking a totally different yeah, question. Yeah, because Osiris is immediately like... Yeah, um... How's Is I Cora? Well, are you... <laughs> I also like the fact that that was... If these if these are timestamps, which, you know, Dino is making the valid point of what is Zero doing in a timestamp? Because um, it's yeah. four zero, unless that's the month? Or it's location. I mean... Well, no. that's the thing, because if these, no, these, these are timestamps, then it would make sense that it's like, because it's like all these happen if we're postulating that like the last number is like a year stamp, for example. Tito, we're did we two- start counting our calendars at zero in the class? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have 
what, one, two, three, four, four of these messages start at three, maybe Yeah, so I was reading hours? that as, well, I was reading that as month. And then you have yeah, two same. at four, which would make sense. Right. Because, also, and then if you, really... well, because if it's month. Then the last one where Osiris is saying, where are you to Saint? Uh, last is number is two nine six. Yeah. It's two years right. after the two nine four. Is how that's how I initially was like. I started reading this. And I was like, oh, that's weird. We have timestamps now. Yeah, Dino put it basically the way I thought of it. Like it's essentially that it's like the years of the city age, possibly. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we are both disappointed, but we are. We will live. <laughs> I love it. again it's it's just that like ugh, I love Satan so much just, <laughs> just like I will Osiris I will speak for myself Satan that was quite the show <laughs> which is I think that's the uh, that's the later haters later section haters. yeah <laughs> that's the I'm walking out of here I still hate hate that line by the way oh i i can't i I, i'm not a fan of it but i find it's also pretty accurate to Segura's sass um yeah that's true i mean but you can show sass other (laughs) ways it's just anyways but um this is also where uh where is it oh so he meant saint mentions the suggestion please try my suggestion i believe it will help uh, yes, and that brings us true. to Blame, which is the one that we were kind of talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, so Blame is the poem. And Green, do you want to read that for us? Sure. Solar wind, the sand sweeps weeping across a stone. It breaks on glass in keeping with its own. You are right. It helped. Now, I read it as if grammatically... But if you read it in the lines, it's going to come across slightly different. And this is where we were bringing up the haiku aspect of this poem, because it's broken up into very specific lines. Solar wind, the sand sweeps weeping across a stone. It breaks on glass in keeping with its own. You were right. It helped. Yeah, so and I read I would... Solar Wind as the header, and then I read the mm-hmm. You Were Right, It Helped as kind of a side note this, to Saint. Yeah, like a... T- yeah. Mm-hmm. So the sand sweeps weeping across the stone. It breaks on glass in keeping with its own. That's actually more... If you read it as a full-length line, it's not a haiku at all. Mm-hmm. It's just broken up in lines. Because when you read poetry, you actually read it as the grammatical words you don't break the lines up even though it may have it there Hmm. the sand sweeps weeping across the stone so i mean it's more what that's eight ten syllables on each of those lines essentially it's like i I, i'm blanking on the term for it but it's like um it's like a a a a linguistic tool to help you meditate to to breach a point of um it's like it's not mindfulness but it's like um mantra like yeah mantra that's what i'm thinking it's like you know it's it's not necessarily it's it 
it's that there is content that has a message, but it's also all about the just repetitiveness. Because like you say, the sand mm. sweeps weeping across the stone. It breaks on glass in keeping with its own. The sand sweeps weeping so those, across the stone. It breaks on glass in keeping with its own. You know, it kind it of... It very much so could be. That's, that's Honestly, first... when I first read it, that's what I thought it was. And then, of course, I couldn't think of like what that's called. And my brain was yeah. like... Then, of course, my brain got locked in the, well... <laughs> the syllabic aspect of it is there's nine syllables in the first line as far as the sand sweeps weeping across the stone and the second one would be ten syllables it breaks upon glass in keeping with its own so there's not necessarily it's um the emphasis is the first syllable of each couplet mm-hmm The sand sweeps weeping. I mean, it's it's not quite like a, a couplet should be for Shakespearean, but it's it's close. Yeah, close. Like just in the sense that we have the two, like the A B A B rhyming scheme going on mm-hmm. with this and within this generally. But I guess it also brings the further question of what it is, because oh. of course yeah. this of <laughs> brings back. The fact that going back to the previous part of this, uh, to transient, that, of course, Saint decides to do that most annoying character trait of playing the pronoun game. (laughs) Right. So here's a question for you. Is this the start of him writing the prophecies because the prophe- prophecies the um osiris prophecies are poetic uh, as well i Maybe. wouldn't think so because the prophecies were half the reason because again if we're going to postulate I mean, he was that written the... down in the books before he left right because the whole thing with his prophecies quote unquote was half of everything that was leading up to osiris getting exiled from the city which if you're going by the idea of transient being this conversation going back and forth um, over time, and we take it that Osiris's exile occurred during that, then the um, the prophecies would have already been written down and would have been passed around the city and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, his books were written before he left the city. I can't remember if the prophecies were on top of it. Well, because that's the thing, because they were taken as prophecy, and that was the... Um, if to my recollection, the reason why the travel or rather the speaker was sort of forced to kick him out was, well, now everyone's looking specifically to you and kind of losing sight of other political leanings or what have you. Yeah. Should we finish with reunion, which is yes. a pretty comical oh, my reunion is fantastic i love those <laughs> quite the shrine <laughs> i almost want to just read this uh just because it's just such a fantastic um element of uh storytelling and just ending this thing off go for it saint 14 watches vessels dip in and out of the hangar the cadence of docking and disembarking ships finds rhythm in the busy city. It is routine, practiced, peaceful. A visitor steps aboard the Gray Pigeon. Geppetto turns to welcome them. 
Greetings, Brother Osiris. You're a welcome sight. Is Sagira with you? Hello, Gepetto. Sagira visits Ikora. Osiris sits on the gangway of the Grey Pigeon. He runs a ribbon through his fingers. Hello, Saint. Osiris. I wondered if this meeting would be with one of your projections. I would not... (laughs) Quite the shrine they've made for you. Are you dying? Saint-14 laughs. It is good to see you again, brother. Fade to black. Mm-hmm. Fade to black. And Quite the shrine they made for you. <laughs> Speculations? I mean, uh, speculations on what's happening here? He's saying hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, besides that, the obvious hello, but the shrine. Thank you, it's, jerk. I'm suddenly having an image of Saint going, you at me at hello. I also love how Osiris comes back to the tower after being on Mercury. You realize this is like a lot bigger than just him saying hello. He's been on Mercury this whole time. He comes back to the tower. Osiris comes back too, to be noted. And that well, and to be right, but that's that's who I'm fair, talking about. To be fair, this the is fact not that the Saint's first time he's been there all season. Well, this isn't the first time that he's been back to the tower either, because he came back to speak to Ikora and the Hidden, and he called Anor out. It was glorious. Oh, that was amazing. Um, But yeah, well, and to be fair, we also don't know how, when this is taking place. I mean, he's in the tower, so within the last couple of weeks, I would imagine. I mean, I don't, we don't know that this is taking place like four, you know, a month after Saint's been here. We, it could have been, you know, pretty shortly after Saint settled into the, the hangar. Right. That's kind of the way I think of it. Like, he's, Saint is just taking a second and sort of looking at the way that, you know, ships are coming in and out of the hangar and just, it feels like there's a level of appreciation for just this breath of normalcy. I think it's just interesting that Osiris, who spends so much time on Mercury and refuses essentially to come back to the tower for so long, mainly because (laughs) of the speaker and his exile and all the other (laughs) shenanigans comes back specifically, most likely to just say hi to Saint. Hi. Hi. Oh, hi, Saint. (laughs) I wonder, it's just like the whole, the conversation between the Titan and the Warlock back in the Curse of Osiris Mm. comic book. Now, granted, that comic book is Oh my gosh, the fight between them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're talking. Yeah. This is how Titans, this is how Guardians talk. Some people throw plates, just... other people punch people. I know he then proceeded to catfish him around the infinite forest. Oh, Lord. But, any final thoughts, Blue? Uh, you've got me diving into the prophecies of Osiris again with blame. I know, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. I'm organizing again. Oh, do you want to 
discuss the connection to the time puzzle, which was just the... Yes. Oh. Um, yeah. This is the bit I was worried about, just because, of course, I was looking at it and like, God, I hope that this thing gets solved, because this is just making my head hurt. Right. I, yeah. The giant... More power to them, to all the people who worked on that. That's a big shout-out. Like, I know I'm kind of skipping ahead to shout-outs, mm-hmm. but holy moly, those people did not sleep. Except yeah. for Glad, yeah, who slept glad. on stream. Yeah, Glad. You can, you can sleep now. <laughs> but the amount of people working on it besides glad glad was just doing a lot of the the call out and getting people connected but the people who were really behind it were a lot of the people in his discord server helping but the the connection between pigeon and the phoenix is that is how you get the book in game which will disappear and before this episode releases so Mm -hmm. sorry guys if you hadn't gotten it (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Um, you can find it over on Ishtar, though. So, you at least have that. But beyond that, traveling the corridors of time, the fact that you get the book pieces from the tomb room, is there, do you, is there any speculation as to why we are getting it there? They had to find a way, they had to find a way to gate it. Just the game mechanic thing? I mean, I was about to say, well, because they didn't want to make another asset. As yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> kind of... I mean, as much work as that had to go into the way that you enter the, the sequences, I really just kind of took it... Yeah, Dino is saying the same thing. We need to put this book somewhere. Like, um, that's right. that's kind of honestly, that's... Because uh, full disclosure, I mean, I've I've run through it and I've gotten it and I got the whole thing and then i bugged out bastion quest so i'm not ever going to get that gun um like how did you bug it i don't know you know if i understood how i broke things i'd probably be able to not i don't know i have no idea how i broke it but like the quest just died um but whatever anyways i got the lore book so i don't really care it's just a gun um, but the, uh, the whole thing there, zombie blue breaks all yeah, the things. I, oh my gosh. The last word was another one that I completely, completely <laughs> broke. Just, there was something else that I did that completely broke it too. And I was just like, I'm like, whatever, this is whatever. Um, no yeehaw cowboy. Oh my morning. gosh. No, that was the problem is I killed everybody. And then it was like, you don't get the gun. I'm like, what? <laughs> Green, I did that on stream. I, was, I, I did that I on stream, that. and everyone was like, that "What?" Was, that one was legitimately bugged. This one is blue. Just didn't do all the other stuff prior. I didn't so, know I was supposed to do anything prior because you know I followed the quest steps that were given to me. Um, without doing any of the prior ones, but yeah. Um. But yeah. I mean, the last word one was pretty frustrating. I saw that one live, so it was fun. The the full one to get the actual cutscene. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figured out how to sneak through, so I got through them pretty quickly. Blue is jumping the little turntable to get onto the subway, but not realizing that he has to have some sort of key card to get off of the subway. Why would I want to get off? You're just going to ride it I'm forever. just going to ride Blaine, it forever. The, Blaine is a pain. Blaine is a pain. But, you know. Um, yeah, so anyways, whatever. Uh, 
my my understanding of like the 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 logic to actually access these um i i just i literally just saw it as a game mechanic i didn't see i also have a really big bone to pick with whoever calls it diamond that is totally not a diamond those are that's a trio of mushrooms i don't know what in god's name when i first it's named a it diamond no it's not when i can't I see a diamond it, it's, it it's a diamond of mushrooms I called it weeds. Oh, weeds, weeds. I can do that. Poppy, like poppy weeds or something. Yeah, like I can see that. Um, but like I, yeah, every that. single time I've looked at it, I'm like diamond. diamond. What? Where the? Where the hell's the diamond? What the? Oh, you had the you mushrooms, had flower, or clover. No, that's a flower. I know. I called it flower too. I went with clover. I know. I went with clover because that's what here. a lot of the bigger things did. Like that's what I put in my spreadsheet. But when I was writing it out for myself, I was writing flower, weeds, um, hexes. Uh huh. Snake, snake. Yes. Snake. See the best part. Although so, I saw somebody put snail for that one. Really? Okay. So no. See, here's the best mm-hmm. thing: is if you call it mushroom, you can go mushroom, 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 snake, snake. <laughs> Yeah, all we need, corner. all we need, is a badger, and we got this thing done. Badger, 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 badger. badger. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's an axe. It's like oh, did, no. did did Weebles did Weeble uh, contribute on this particular puzzle? Badger, 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 badger. <laughs> snake. Is it gonna, is there, it's a snake. Is it, <laughs> it going to be a <laughs> raid down the line involving magical Trevor? Uh, I swear to God, if, Tr- I mean, if Trogdor shows up, I'm done. Oh man! All right, wrap it up. Shoutouts. <laughs> My shoutouts are for apparently raid call signs that I don't understand. And badgers. And badgers, man. Badgers, snakes. Can we get a honey badger emblem? Because I would totally change my lore scholar emblem for a honey badger emblem. Green, what about you? Uh, mine goes back to the the people who figured out raid secrets and everybody working with Glad and s- some of the other streamers that were, were pulling together to get this all completed. People were actually creating code to help manage the spreadsheets and everything. So those people are like the real MVPs. I know that Glad was kind of like the figurehead or whatnot of the whole movement, but the people who really put in a ton of work are the others that were helping him as well as the various people who submitted through discord or sent screenshots. It was a real community thing. It wasn't necessarily just one person at the top doing it. It was just everybody kind of pulling together and helping in what way they could. So my shout out goes to the people who contributed in some way, shape or form. Very nice. Trey Khan, what about you? So I'm going to give a couple different shout outs. Uh, firstly, to um, everyone involved with the team that actually put that puzzle together. Um, just the sheer scale of what's involved uh, to get that whole thing to work must have been a really crazy undertaking as far as, oh, we're going to make this thing fun. We're going to have them really scratch, have the community really scratching their heads as far as how we're going to get this thing solved. And I think it was extremely well executed in that respect. Um, 
shout out as far as really uh, everyone who was involved within the lore community once again. I'm also going to give a little uh, additional shout out to everyone who's involved within the Termino project. Uh, that is going to be something to watch for, and I'm very excited along with the rest of you to see where that winds up taking us. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, as usual, thank you for your time, and until next time, remember, with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright.